The scripture reading for today is from 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29 to chapter 17, verse 1. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Athbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abraham, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Um, I know that we already said hello to one another in the beginning, but uh, actually more than half of you uh, kind of came and joined during praise. So can we uh, just turn to one another and say, uh, may God shine brighter in your life during this season. Can we say that? May God shine brighter in this season. You may be seated. And those of you who are joining online this morning, we bless you. And uh, we're glad that you are joining us. You're worshiping the Lord with us in spirit and in truth. So we're beginning a new series starting from today for the next 11 weeks. The person of Elijah. And title is called God's Extraordinary power in dark times that all of us are going through a difficult season uh, it is challenging hard for all of us uh, it is a dark season or a dark time for many people as well but as we turn to the book of the bible uh, elijah uh, who was used by God in a very powerful way. Uh, it was most difficult and dark season spiritually uh, in the Old Testament. But that much more, God shone his light brighter. Uh, that much more, God's power was demonstrated through life of Elijah. Uh, so having said that, uh, it is our prayer as we wrap up this year, 2021, Unstoppable Work, the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are zooming into life of Elijah, but really as we zoom into his life, it's more about God's power, God's extraordinary power demonstrated through ordinary person. So today, part of the intro message the title is Ordinary People, Extraordinary Life. God pours out extraordinary power 
to ordinary people. The reason why I'm saying this is that Elijah was ordinary man. Of course, as we hear about story of Elijah, I mean, he, stood, he stands out uh, that he was representing God's servant or God's prophet in the Old Testament. And his legacy continued on even in the New Testament. For example, when John the Baptist came and proclaiming the message of repentance, so many people were challenged and convicted by John the Baptist. And many people believe that John the Baptist was representing of resurrecting of Elijah. That Elijah came back in New Testament. And that's how much Elijah had legacy and impact in people's lives. When Jesus fed 5,000 people, and after crowds disappear, Jesus gathered his disciples and saying, who do people say I am? And many people said, he's like Elijah coming back. So Elijah had that much of an impact. Jesus, right before his last breath on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, Laba, Samatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But people who are far away couldn't hear properly, and they saw Jesus was crying for Elijah to come and rescue Jesus. According to Mark chapter 15, verse 35. So that much influence Elijah had. And as we turn to the book of James, chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible clearly saying that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So what the Bible is saying is that Elijah was like exactly like us. He was an ordinary man, ordinary servant of God, and yet God used him in an extraordinary way. As we look at the history and as we read the Bible, it is very common because God never called out extraordinary people. But it is very common that God called out very regular, ordinary people and when God reveals his power and presence through them, people were able to see extraordinary side of who God is and they glorify God. All the credit goes to not people, but to God. You know, same way God is looking for ordinary men, ordinary women who want to be used by God. And oftentimes, we limit ourselves and we limit who God is. Thinking that or coming up with excuses, you know what? Oh, not me because I'm so average person that God is looking for someone special. God is looking for extraordinary people, which is not according to the scripture. So then, how does God really bring out ordinary people and reveal himself in an extraordinary way? What is the secret behind? The power that Elijah was able to reveal in God. There are two things that I would like to share with you this morning. Number one, we have to recognize that uh, 
God's way of life is the extraordinary way of life. So God shone his light through someone like Elijah who was exactly like us. But even in the most spiritually dark season in the Old Testament, because back then when Elijah was called, he was a prophet. Uh, it was under King Ahab's rule, you know, northern part of Israel. And the Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30, And Ahab, the son of Omni, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So according to the history, according to scripture, Ahab was the most evil, wicked, disobedient king of the history, entire history. So you could say that during that time, it was the most spiritually dark, corrupted, wicked state of northern part of Israel. And not only Ahab was evil man in the eyes of God, he married Jezebel, and Jezebel was the most wicked, evil woman in the Old Testament. Well, to the point where her legacy continued on in New Testament, whenever the book of Revelation talks about cult, talks about bad influence to church, and condemnation, judgment, punishment, the name of Jezebel pops out all the time. Including northern part of Israel and southern part of Judah, they had 36 kings, and Bible name all 36 kings' names, and yet no single queen's name was mentioned except Jezebel. So you, you, could, you could sense how, what kind of influence Jezebel had. Not a positive one, not the gospel influence, but terrible, wicked, evil influence. So most evil king and most evil woman, such a bad combination. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31 to 33 says this, He took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabel, king of Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger then all the kings of Israel, who were before him. So Jezebel was a prince, princess of uh, Sidonian, and her father was a priest of Baal. So pretty much, Jezebel was a missionary to Israel, bringing her own god, uh, Baal and Asherah, making sure that people in Israel will be under the influence of this false idol. Before, the Israelites were worshiping God and mixing with other idols. It's like compromising, right? Like some of us, we worship God and yet we follow other idols. But after Jezebel became the official queen, what happened was the part of northern Israel, king declared, from now on, our national religion is Baalism. Or we're going to worship Baal, nothing else. No more worshiping Yahweh the God of Israel. He declared. And you may think that what in the world? Why in the Bible people are keep compromising, keep 
kneeling down to the God above. But we have to understand the history and worldview because Baal was in charge of rain. Especially in desert, you know what? You cannot do any kind of farming. You cannot grow anything without rain. And they thought Baal was in charge of rain. So, for example, you're coming to church today, it's like raining. Oh, God of Baal is like rain. So they believed that Baal was in charge of not only the climate, but also making sure that Baal is blessing you to have many, many children, multiply, to be healthy, to have prosperity in life. Francis, many of us, we struggle with the same idol in our lives because we believe that God, the Creator, we say that we believe Jesus Christ in our lives, but when it comes to our faith and worldview, oftentimes we pursue the world that promised prosperity, good business, promotion, Success of our children, apart from God. We're not that different from Israelites during that time. And this influence of Jezebel, one person coming into household of Ahab and not only influencing her husband, but influencing entire country. And how significant it is for one person to make influence. It could be also positive influence, of course, when you meet someone who can make impact in your life. And that's why when you are getting married, when you're having someone into your family, or building friendship, and going into workplace, you have influence, impact through your life. And it could be either positive or gospel-centered impact. On the other hand, it could be also negative influence and impact. Parents, what kind of impact or influence do you have? Fathers, mothers, what kind of influence do you have in your children's life? This research came and um, presented by Faith Five, which is a Christian ministry works with the family and children, Christian education. And about 10 years ago, they made this announcement and saying they did survey based on people or children who grew up in church. And they calculated until they turned 17 how many hours they spent at church through Sunday school. And parents, you bring your children and they grew up at church, nursery, Sunday school, right? And by the time they turn 17, guess 
how many hours in average people in America, okay? Not light church. I know that our church kids spend a lot more time. But average Sunday school in United States, they spend about 800 hours. And 800 hours is a lot of time, of course. So parents bring their children, go through Sunday school, one hour. Compared to, then how much meaningful time do they spend with their parents? By the age of 17, and guess how many hours? 2,000 hours. 2,000 hours. So a Sunday school teacher will spend 800 hours, but parents will spend 2,000 hours, more than double. I don't think our parents can actually just direct responsibility to Sunday school teacher and pastor and say, well, you are spiritually responsible for our children or their spiritual formation character. Parents are spending more than double portion compared to Sunday school. That's a common sense. But my point is not to compare with the Sunday school and parents because it goes on. Then what about school? How many hours our children are being impacted at school by the age of 17? Teachers, I think this is a God's divine calling because they are spending 11,000 hours. So parents are spending 2,000 hours, but teachers and schoolmates are spending 11,000 hours. What they are learning from their school friends and teachers are shaping a lot more than Sunday school. It goes further because even school hours does not compare to how many hours our children are spending with media. Internet, show, apps, guess how many hours? 63,000 hours. So who is shaping our children today? This is like 10 years ago. I think pandemic time, probably kids are spending way more time. I think our children are being raised by games, and shows, animation, and so many other things are shaping them, their value, their worldview, their faith. Way more. And our children, our next generation, it's being shaped rather than shaped by the word of the Lord, rather than shaped by Christian value, they've been shaped by media or Hollywood and secular values for so many years so that now it's just part of their lives, the way they're processing everything. And it is now coming into even Christian churches and mainline denominations. And that's what happened when Elijah was a prophet. 
that so many other prophets were compromising and they were giving in because the majority of people were under this unbelieving uh, culture and their value. And the Bible is saying that Elijah, the secret of Elijah was this, not because he was a special person, but the meaning of Elijah, the name, El from Elohim, God, Yah or Jah came from Jehovah, and small letter in between I means my. So basically, Elijah's confession and his statement of faith was that Jehovah is my God. Even though everyone is following Bar, even though everyone is compromising, God is my God. Jehovah is my way. His truth is my truth. So I will follow God. So Elijah was an ordinary person, but what made his life extraordinary was that, you know what, simply he was holding on to God's truth in an ordinary, basic way. God is my God. I'm going to follow his truth. I'm going to live his way. And that made his life extraordinary. It's like when you go into a dark room, you have one candle. You know, a candle doesn't need to like, you know, burn itself even more stronger or harder. You know what? Simply needs to shine. And that much, the candle or light will make impact in dark room. We're talking about spiritual priority, that what comes first. That many of us, we pursue the world and then we decorate with God, like icing of the cake, right? God bless. But Elijah did just opposite way. God, you are my God. And that was the foundation. That was basic. When everyone is cheating, when everyone is compromising, when everyone's giving in because that's a majority, that's the agenda of this world. If we are able to confess, God is my God. That God's way becomes extraordinary way of our life. Just be rooted in ordinary foundation, the truth of God. That was the secret of Elijah. You know, many of us, we think that we are not special. Somehow, we are not given privilege. So that's why we're not able to compete or advance than other people. But think about David. You know, he was the youngest son. Father had no expectation. That's why when this, the most important person, Samuel, comes to his house and says, gather all the sons, you know, father, Jesse, gather all the sons except David. Least important. Least expected son. It's like this, like, you know, sending your kids to tutoring and like piano dancing and like everything else except the one son that you don't do anything. It's like, you know what, just don't do anything. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to study. 
just live like you know like no expectation you know that kind of son or that kind of child and yet God picks David out of all the sons and God shines what about Joseph like he grew up in dysfunctional family right his mother passed but all the stepmother hated Joseph all the brothers hated Joseph tried to kill him sold him as a slave what did Joseph do anything special no he was ordinarily following God as a slave ordinarily trusting in God in prison and yet God used Joseph David extraordinary ways when everyone is turning against or walking away from God when we hold on to a simple foundational to truth of God God used our life in an extraordinary way why it's not because we're extraordinary but because God is extraordinary and God brings such impact through our lives focus on our weakness limitation our mistake failure in the past but the truth of the matter is that God knows you're weak God already knows you failed in the past but the reason why God is still calling you today regardless of your past is because it's not based on who you are but it's based on what God is going to do through you but we focus on ourselves rather than focusing on God that's why we remain disobedient what we need is faith and courage but many people think that courage is absence of fear but Bible says courage is never absence of fear everyone has fear everyone in the Bible had fear but the courage comes when we overcome such fear so that much fear if we overcome in God that much more we become courageous so Elijah with courage he stood up against King Ahab most powerful man in verse 1 of chapter 17 now Elijah the Tishbite the Tish, Tishbi in Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word man it's like what a bold statement what he's saying is that unless I say it there will be no rain was it reckless was it gambling so what made Elijah to be so bold and courageous so let me just touch up on two sub points and wrap up today's message number one pouring out through time alone with God very interesting because Elijah according to scripture he was a Tishbite of Tishbi 
in Gilead, and all the commentators and scholars, most of them, they agree and saying, we have no idea where Tishbite is. <laughs> so they come to a conclusion and saying, therefore, Tishbi or Tishbite was a very insignificant, unknown place. Basically, what he's saying is that Elijah came from nowhere. Nowhere significant. And yet, all they know is that region of Gilead, entire region of Gilead was a desert. So it's 100% sure that Elijah grew up in desert, and most of his life, he grew up alone. The reason why Elijah was so secure and bold and courageous in his faith was not because of people affirmation. Elijah, you are so good. You are so special. You can do it. Not encouragement. But the reason why Elijah was so strong in faith was as he was spending time alone, he spent with God. Same thing, David. Spend his time alone with God. Moses, Joseph, Paul, Jesus, you name it. The secret power behind is that spending time alone with God. We're not talking about being extrovert or introvert. Because there are a lot of introvert people who spend time alone but apart from God. Because when you spend time alone two different ways, it will lead to number one it could be discouragement or it could be courage when you spend time alone with god god gives you recharging refreshing god fills you with the holy spirit conviction so that after you spend time alone with god you are pumped up you are ready to respond to god's holy calling but on the other hand, when you're spending time alone apart from God, then you are being deceived by enemy. You are falling into the trap of a distorted. And you get discouraged. Thought after thought is leading you away from God. Even during pandemic, many of us, we are disconnected, isolated, and we spend a lot of time alone, and yet, do we spend time with God or do we spend time without God? That will make a difference. And those of us who are extrovert, who are busy, how are you doing in your time alone with God? God made Elijah to experience extraordinary power. Brothers and sisters, I hope and pray, especially this new season, life group leaders, we pray for you. We are rooting for you. But unless you spend time alone with God, you have nothing to give. You're going to be burnt out. Students, I know you're busy. You have an exam or paper. Teachers, you're busy. Parents, you're busy, but you know what? Unless you make intentional time alone with God, you'll be discouraged, you'll be burnt out, you'll be sensitive to the world rather than being charged and pumped up to respond to God's holy calling. Secondly, poured out through knowing God. 
In verse 1, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand. You know what? Elijah was not reckless talking about, you know what? There will be no rain. The reason why Elijah was saying that was because Israelites, like I mentioned, part of the intro, they thought Bar was in charge of rain. So that's why Elijah said, you know what? Bar is not in charge. Our God is in charge of everything. And unless God speaks, there will be no rain, not even a dew. So basically what he's saying is that, you know what? You think the business economy is in charge? No, God is in charge. Your children's future, you think their GPA is in charge? No, God is in charge. Your health, you think that everything else is like in charge? No, God is in charge. Your promotion, you think your boss is in charge? No, God is in charge. I don't know about economy. I don't know about business. I don't know about school. I don't know about things. But you know what? God, I know who God is. I'm not saying now we don't care about all those things. But who comes first? Who's in charge of your life? And Elijah was saying, you know what? God is in charge. I don't know about other things, but I know God. So this conviction and power came from God, knowing God. Brothers and sisters, do you know God? Do you know who God is? Are you able to really place your entire life, your future, your children, your relationship, your career into the hands of God? Because when we know God, yes, that's when we're able to. God is never asking blind faith, reckless faith. It's like all of a sudden, randomly, there will be no rain. No. God is in charge of rain. God is in charge of my life. So, brothers and sisters, let me wrap up today's message. Elijah was not an extraordinary man. He was an ordinary person. But who lived God's way. Who responded to God's call. And a secret behind is that spending time, precious time with God each day so that you gain strength for courage and faith to live and to respond to this year, this season, this day. And knowing who God is, that you trust God, that he will walk with you, he will protect you, he will go before you, after you, above you, underneath. And knowing that and confidence, if you go, your life may not be spectacular life, but your life will be revealing extraordinary power, grace of God. Being faithful to ordinary basics in God leads extraordinary way. Just like Jesus said, abide in me in an ordinary way, mundaneness of life, and yet you will bear extraordinary spiritual fruit of your life. Let's pray together. As we spend some time in prayer, brothers and sisters, it is getting difficult. It is difficult for us to live our Christian life. More complicated, 
It is dark. If we really care and fear God, we cannot not have burden, not only for our lives, but next generation and our children. The way that they are being influenced. Church is doing whatever we can, but that's not enough. We need family to partner. And that's not enough. We need every person who work in workplace or study need to live out God's call. Not to pursue gods of our prosperity, success of in this world, but saying that God is our God. God's way is the way for us to pursue. But even that simple, basic truth, it is hard against the streams of this world. That's why you and I, we have to spend time with God. We have to hide in God. We have to be charged, pumped up each day for us to boldly live the life of gospel. And we need to know who God is. Brothers and sisters, it is time for us to come back to the Lord saying, God, I want to know you more. And I want to spend more time with you. Can we say that prayer? And can we also bless our next generation, our children, people who are kids who are in Sunday school right now. Lord, would you equip them? Would you raise them up to be the children of God? And rather than Hollywood and secular values shaping them, influencing them for the next 20, 30 years of their lives, somehow the gospel and the word of the law have a grip in their hearts. So let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for our children. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our call. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so weak and we're just ordinary and sometimes we feel like we're even less than ordinary that we don't deserve. Unqualified. Falling short before you and before others. And yet, Lord, that you use broken people like us to demonstrate your grace, your power, courage to respond to your call. Father, help us to gain that perspective and courage and faith once again as we commit, recommit this day 
that we will spend time with you each day, that we will gain strength from you and not from others, and to know who you are so that we are able to trust and walk with you. And even for our parents, there are so many other things that we can pray, but that as number one priority, we will bless and we will encourage our next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.